Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to Hour 2 of the Saturday Show underway here on the Zone Sports Network. Your name is Jonas. Congratulations. Weezer, uh, always a nice choice there by Jeff behind the glass. Hope you guys are all doing great. Hour 1 in the books. Uh, if you guys missed anything, we'll obviously podcast this. You'll be able to hear all of the Saturday Show like you do everything else here on the station. We podcast it all. So it's always on demand is the in vogue term in that regard. As the children say. Yep, uh, I am a big podcast aficionado, as you guys are all aware. The doctor of podcasting. Yeah, that was bestowed upon me by a fellow podcast, uh, some alumnus, and just, I thought it was cool. You know, have yeah. fun with it. So, All right, uh, so a lot to get to ahead still on today's show. Obviously, we're getting you ready. We're calling ourselves the pre-pregame show for tonight's Holy War matchup between BYU and Utah. Um, an interesting note here, by the way, was sent in to the Zone uh, Sportsnet Twitter account uh, from Fear Leith. Don't know necessarily what that stands for, but he sent this in. Quote, and this comes uh, from Nicole Auerbach's work in The Athletic this morning. She talked to Tom Homo. said an industry source told The Athletic that BYU's ESPN games generally garner bigger audiences than the remaining Big 12 schools in comparable windows and could increase their per-school TV revenue by about $2 million annually in the Big 12's next deal. That's not nothing, folks. Right. I, I remember seeing an earlier athletic article that compared like the big major networks, so ESPN, yeah. ABC, Fox, mm-hmm. where the Hateful Eight mm-hmm. and their games, BYU was slightly behind them in the ratings, and that's with BYU occupying the night yeah, cap. It's, it's, it's a different TV window, but it was right. comparable amount. And then when it was the backup networks, the ESPN2, ESPNU, CBS Sports, those kinds of networks BYU actually outdrew the the remaining schools so you know not nothing yeah not nothing so it's very interesting note so thanks for passing along fairly if I had compl- I'd forgotten about that I read that this morning I probably should have brought it with me all right uh so score update for you guys by the way Oregon and Ohio State in a pretty good battle here uh, we have 12 minutes just over 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter Oregon's still leading at 28 to 21 it's been a little bit of a tenuous lead recently because Ohio State's starting to come a lot come alive on offense. But I got to do oh. give Oregon credit; they have run a very well-oiled offense in yeah. today's game, and they're rolling, roll, they're yeah. continuing that. You know, they've just had a nice strike, you know, on the outside. To I believe that guy's a tight end. He looks like a tight end, but you know, got down to midfield. So uh, nice combo route there. Look at that. Yeah, look, man, look at that route tree. That is beautiful. Just right in the middle of that defense. The thing about it is, uh, funny enough, Oregon's actually run the ball extremely well in this game. Oregon has just played top to bottom, offensively and defensively, a great game. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State has not looked like what I expected. And, uh, yeah, Oregon looking very likely to come away with the win here. I would love nothing more. I Agreed. Any, anybody that beats Ohio State, I'm happy with. All right, so we'll continue to give us update on other scores as we go throughout the rest of the afternoon here on the Saturday show. But let's get to some of our, of our player audio. We'll start off here up on the hill. Britton Covey, a guy who 
If you were to tell him maybe, I'd say, a decade ago that you're going to be playing at Utah, he probably would just laugh in your face because he grew up literally in the shadows of Lavelle Edwards Stadium. His family very closely connected with BYU. Well, he spoke with the media earlier this week and had some very good thoughts on tonight's game. Here you go. You grew up around the rivalry. I did. Um, does it ever get old in your in your household and your family? No. But it's funny how just the attitude towards it has, has changed over the last few years. Where it's, I see a lot of my family members totally at war with themselves, not knowing what to do. <laughs> so it's it's been fun. You know, I live literally 30 seconds away from the stadium. My whole family still has season tickets to BYU. They also have season tickets to UConn now. So it's you know it's close to home. You know. The fans take it a long ways, but at the end of it, it seems like there's never anything but absolute respect between the players. Yeah, I think it's more the fans that kind of get into it. The players, like, there's there's nothing but respect. And I think that that's when it gets easier to appreciate the rivalry in a different way, when you start to get to know players on the other team. When you're kind of looking at them as just a big entity like BYU football or Utah football, it's easy to kind of generalize it. But when you start to get to know people like, oh, Devin Lloyd or BYU he's tied in with Isaac Rex. He's a cool guy. You know, like, you start to get to know these guys personally and it, it just becomes a lot less um, fiery and, and still still competitive but not, you know, hateful. You and Samson spent a lot of time as teammates together in a similar unit. Imagine you're really close friends. Absolutely. How, is it bizarre having him over on the other side? Absolutely. Samson's, you know, been one of my best friends for years and don't be surprised if we stage a fake fight. <laughs> Full-on karate moves planned out. So we'll see what, what happens. I'm excited to see him. It was the same thing with Devin Kafusi a couple of years ago, seeing him. But, and, and, I mean, half the guys on their team, I mean, Keenan Peely was my safety in high school. Chaz Ayu went to Timothy, like all these guys. And so it's, yeah. Now that you've had some time to digest Thursday, um, can you elaborate on, on Charlie's performance and, you know, how good he was? Charlie did everything that you needed to do. I, he did it with, you know, we had three drops. We had a couple blown assignments on the offensive line. And there wasn't a single play where you were, you know, frustrated with Charlie. It really was an amazing performance and just a simple performance. You know, it's not like he did anything spectacular out of the ordinary. It's just he handled his business and was clean. Um, having that in the first game from your quarterback is huge. You expect a lot of random mistakes in the first game, which we had, but from our quarterback we didn't, which is really cool. So for a guy who has as much experience as he does, does he need to learn about the rivalry? Does he ask questions about it, or is it just another game? Oh, yeah, he needs to learn. Okay. We're sitting we're sitting him down. I'm talking to him about it. So what do you think? So, just that uh, there's a lot more at stake here than just a game, right? And I think that you're fooling yourself if you just say that it's just another game. Uh, it's not, you know, and it doesn't mean that it's the Super Bowl, but it's it's a big game. You know, we respect BYU. They respect us. We know they're going to play their best game. We know we're going to play our best game. Uh, and so, yeah, you got – I think what it is is – people that don't know about the Holy War, especially people from the East, they don't really understand that it's one of the biggest rivalries in the country. And you kind of go through and tell them about that. And it makes it fun. What changes around the facility, around the, the, the staff, uh, in, in their communication with you guys? Is it is it business as usual? Or is that, like you said, kind of fool's gold to, to keep telling yourself that? Yeah. Uh, I think that... 
in a lot of language. It's business as usual. You know, uh, Coach Witt is always um, very stern and, and competitive throughout the week and respectful of our opponents. So in language and vocabulary, it's very similar. But in vibe and feel, it, it is a lot heightened sense of, you know, urgency, I guess you'd say. How do you acknowledge the streak without letting it overshadow the importance of just getting the game yeah. done? I think you acknowledge the streak by looking back and seeing why we have the streak. You know, I have the privilege of that, of being a part of, you know, four games against them and and seeing, okay, why did we win this year? Why, why do we have that streak? What did we do that year that propelled us to win? And, and that helps you focus more on the preparation and less on the streak. I like that last answer. I really like it. Because Britain, okay, Britain's going to work in the media when he's done if he wants to. He can do a lot of different things with his life, I feel like. But yeah. he is so good at analyzing things. He can have a very long career as an analyst on college football broadcast, whatever he wants to do. But I like that thought is, okay, yeah, we acknowledge the streak, obviously. But we need to understand what we have done to get to where we have this streak and continue to do that to hopefully continue it. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think that Britton Covey, whatever career he decides to pursue after football, he's going to be fantastic at. Where I actually kind of hear, you know, what I hear in his voice when he says that, I hear him as a coach. A I think bit, that yeah. he he very much analyzes the game in a way that, you know, I, I, I could very easily see him, you know, talking that way to players and, and, you know, using that to keep their mindset focused on the task at hand, which is, you know, hey – yeah, we've won nine straight, but why did we win that? How did we win that? Mm-hmm. We need to do exactly the right thing preparation-wise or else we will lose this streak. Like, he he would be an, an excellent coach at any level that he decided to coach at. And I agree with you as well that if he decided to do the media as an analyst, he would absolutely blow the doors off. Yeah, he, he's just really good at what he does. And I also like the fact that he's like, he's like I like the rivalry. I, I grew up... Right, he said thirty seconds is what he said. I maybe it's probably a slight exaggeration in terms of just being thirty seconds, but he grew up not too far away from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. He, I think he many years of his life growing up, he thought he was going to end up playing in blue and white. Now he's wearing uh, black and red up there at Utah, red and white, whatever. You, black's part of the color scheme now. The, yeah, those uniforms are a little bit overly busy with the. the it's all right. What's going on? But he's. He, he has the right perspective on this, I feel like, in terms of just facing off against uh, Utah, uh, facing off against BYU, him playing for Utah and getting ready for tonight's game. All right, a little bit of a teaser before we get to uh, part two of our conversations with these players here. End of the segment, so you got about 10 minutes here. Get ready. We're going to throw it out. We are going to give away tickets to BYU and Utah tonight. Oh, boy. The Can hot we give item. them away to me? Um, no, that would ah. be against the rules. Okay. I okay. apologize. but. Ah. Next time, right? Makes sense. All right, so let's get to part two of our conversation. Flip down to Provo. I had a great chat with Uriah Leatow, one of the, I think, more eccentric personalities on BYU's roster. So here you go, the senior defensive end for BYU, Uriah Lopa Leatow. Please be joined now by Uriah, a.k.a. Lopa Leatow. Uriah Lopa, which one should I go with here? Uh, Whatever one you prefer. Uh, They're both my legal names, but I've gone by Lopa my whole life. I don't think, yeah, my whole family calls me Lopa, and everyone on the team calls me Lopa. Okay. So, either one works. Lopa it is. How are you, sir? 
I'm doing good, Jake. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for taking the time to join me here. I just wanted to kind of start things off by looking back a little bit at Arizona. Uh, how satisfying a win was that for you personally? Personally, it was pretty satisfying. I felt like our D-line pretty, played really well, um, especially the youngins uh, like John Nelson and Blake Mingleson. They did really well for their first uh, college game. I was actually really impressed with them. They got the first game jitters out in the beginning of the quarter. and But there are a lot of things we needed to fix, uh, a lot of tells we needed to hide a little bit better. And there's um, a couple of things we did have to go back to the drawing board about and just re-emphasize certain fundamentals. So, like, especially tackling was a big one. But, yeah, overall, I, I'm glad we can fix those things with a dub at 1-0 instead of trying to fix those things at 0-1, you know? Well, most coaches will say it's easier to teach things and improve after a win than it is after a loss, so I completely understand exactly. that. Uh, I also wanted to ask you just a little bit about uh, – we co- heard Coach Roderick mention the fact that in the game, you guys were obviously trying to figure things out going in because they had a whole new offensive and defensive coaching staff. Was what they did on offense different than what you guys anticipated watching on film? Uh, a little bit, yes. Uh, Arizona's offense was uh, it came out shooting, and they're a lot more physical than we expected. And it was good. It was a good. Uh, it was a good. Uh, a good battle in the trenches for us, exactly. And I was actually really impressed. Props to them. I feel like uh, their coaches just pointed them in the right direction, culture-wise and everything. Um, they're they're a gritty team. I'm gonna I'm gonna expect them to do pretty well this year. And yeah, most of their gameplay was kind of a mystery to us. Like <laughs> we were expecting a lot of other stuff, and like halfway through the quarter, we were like, "Oh, we got to change like half of our calls because this is not what we thought we were gonna get." And so yeah, they caught us on our on our heels a little bit, but we were able to adapt and um, you know, like what do you call it? Adjust to them. I also wanted to ask you, you guys had four sacks in that game. How satisfying was that for you as a defensive lineman? Oh, very satisfying. Oh man. Our our D line is just getting started. We want more. I know the fans want more, but trust me, we want it just as much. Um <laughs> uh I feel like we can get some more too with uh the rest of our guys, especially our interior, if they get involved in it, we, I feel like we can get a lot more pressures and a lot more sacks. We want to play aggressive within our scheme, and we want to show that our D-line won't skip a beat, especially after losing all of our guys from last year. You brought up two names that I wanted to ask you about, John Nelson as well as Blake Mangelson. What makes them so good for how young they are? Dude, these guys are crazy strong i don't know what you guys feed these kids in utah especially south of provo they're both south of provo maybe it's the farmings and all of that stuff but these kids be coming in hecka strong and i'm i'm really surprised how like athletically built both of them are blake is just farmer strong and john just comes in jack i know his cousin's like porter gustin and he just runs in the family they be drinking out of the tap like there's something out of the tap in the water man i'm just saying let me interject here. Is that why you put up on social media? Do you drink out of the tap? I saw that you put that up on social media. <laughs> no, I, I do not trust tap water. I okay. went to go buy some uh, some bottle of water from Walden, and my friend was like, why are you buying water? You drink out the tap. I was like, that's disgusting. I don't trust that. You know, it's different in L.A., bro. You can't drink the water out of the tap. 
As a guy who is married to a girl from Orange County, I completely understand what you're saying. <laughs> so I, I get it. Yeah. I'm a Utah County boy, born and raised, and I, I drank out of the tap growing up. I understand it's very different in other parts of the country. So <laughs> Yeah, it is really different. Yeah. But yeah, those two, Blake and John, I'm excited to, to see their future, especially John, man. John's going to be a crazy athlete for us. Um, so yeah, Blake is good too. Blake's so strong. Especially within our scheme, he does what he's asked to do, and he does it really well. And that's the crazy thing about it. Uh, Tyler Batty had a pretty good game, I thought, as well. What did you make of his performance? Tyler did great, man. Tyler's a freaking uh, crazy guy. It's something about these South Provo, South of Provo kids, man. What's <laughs> with them, bro? They're just so strong and energetic, bro. It's like you just steal that from them. But, yeah, Batty killed it. Batty did, you know, what we expected from him, you know, playing within the scheme and and just doing his job as the best as he can. And he's just a freak athlete. He had a couple of rushes and a couple of hurries and pressures. And he had a really great sack. But honestly, I'm giving that one to Gabe Summers. Gabe had a sick move. If you rewatch Batty's sack, Gabe flushed him to Batty. So they worked together as a D-line. So I'm just glad our D-line was able to get all of that together. All right, now we turn our attention to this week, obviously the rivalry game against Utah. You are a kid who is from L.A. You grew up in the Compton area. Did you know much about the Holy War game before getting here? Uh, not as intense as I thought it would be. Uh, I grew up with the UCLA-USC rivalry, and that wasn't as intense as this rivalry. I come to Utah, and actually I have a lot of family members that are Utah fans. So uh, I saw firsthand when I moved here how big it is how big it is to the culture here. You know, in L.A., it's different. You know, a lot of people aren't invested into college football as it is here in Utah. So um, that was something that was interesting to me, was seeing how big the rivalry matters, especially down here in Utah County, to uh, BYU fans and Utah fans. Do you think that's actually kind of a unique thing about the fact that we only really have the one pro team here with the Utah Jazz and the fact that college football is such an emphasis in this community? Yes. I, I actually do believe that. I think that with L.A., being from L.A., there's so many other things going on. You got the Dodgers, Lakers, Clippers. You know, you even have a hockey team. And, like, not everyone's a sports fan. and So not everyone's, like, super focused on the college rivalries back at home like that. Um, but here, I just feel like everyone, there's all eyes on college football here at, in Utah. So that's something that's a little bit more pressure than I thought it would be. But... It's, it's a crazy, cool atmosphere to have. You know, it's better than having nobody show up to the game than it is to have all this uh, support and stuff. Uh, can you give me a, a kind of a short scouting report of what you see from the Utes on um, just in your film review? Um, they're pretty good, to be honest. They, they're very balanced. Uh, I think their quarterback's uh, pretty good, too. The Brewer kid, he's, he's actually really good. I think he's a good quarterback. Um they run a lot. They're actually very balanced. They remind us of our offense a lot. And that's just something that we have to look out for. We have to be wary of the tight ends because they use them very, uh, very well. They use them in a lot of different uh, facilities and stuff. Tight ends will, like, run, you know, end arounds, And that's something that most college uh, teams won't do. And that's just something we have to watch out for, especially as a defensive line is where the tight ends are and how we can help like slow them down for the linebackers and all these things like that. Uh, last two things for me. How important is uh, ending the streak it, to the team? 
Um, I feel like with all these distractions from like everywhere, like personally me, I feel like it's important to me because we're playing, you know, it's sure for me. It's just like, we're one to know they're one to know. And that's all that matters. Who's going to come out to and all, uh, a lot of our guys are trying not to think about the streak and what matters the most to us is that we're, we're able to play another game and play it to the best of our abilities. So with me personally, I don't really like to think about the streak, but in the back of my mind, I do want to end it. There you go. You're right. Leotawa doesn't want to think about it, but he does want to end it. Yeah. You know, and that, that, that felt like a, you know, very calculated answer, which it would need to be because I mean, he's likely seen, what some players in the past have said in regards to the streak and seen that, you know, the bulletin board material that Kyle, Whitt- Kyle Whittingham pulls from that. And, you know, it's a smart move to, to recognize that and say, no, I'm not, I'm not following into that. I'm yeah. not playing those games again because that hasn't gone well in the past. And so, you know, I think that that's, that's a smart move, you know, the game before the game and to say, nope, I'm not, I'm not playing it. I'm not engaging with you. I'm not. I'm not giving you bulletin board material. I I get that, but very interesting to hear him talk about. Like he he thinks it's a very balanced look is what they'll be facing against Utah, and I think I would agree with him on that assessment. Utah has very much uh, done a lot to become much more balanced yes. in recent years on their offense. Yeah, I mean, you look at their game against Weber State, and it was almost identical the number of pass play calls to run play calls. It mm-hmm. was very close. Yep, and Kyle Winningham has acknowledged the fact that they need to they need to throw the ball at a higher level if they want to get to those ultimate goals that they have as a program. All right, well, it is time, folks. If you want a pair of tickets for tonight's BYU Utah game, call in eight five five three four zero zone eight five five three four zero nine six six three. We'll take caller twelve right now, and you'll be the lucky recipient who will be on his way to Provo tonight to watch the Cougars and the Utes do battle down there at the end. All right, so once again, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-9663. Caller 12 wins a pair of tickets to BYU, Utah. More in a moment. This is the Saturday Show on the Zone Sports Network. Let's go live! We talk jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend! You're locked on to the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Time for five minutes of here. As we talk about some of the other topics we haven't had a chance to touch on today, we will get to our, we're calling it, we're calling it pigskin pick'em. Is that what we're calling this? Sure. Now? I think that's what Eric uh, opted to call it. Uh, so, uh, by the way, we set up these rules when we first did this in week zero that if Eric's not here, because there are weeks he's not producing, that whoever's producing gets to have Eric's picks. Jeff? You know what to do. Sabotage. Just sabotage. To... <laughs> well, Just like the Beastie Boys said. Yes. All right. So uh, we'll have some fun with that. We'll get to that in a minute. But let's start off with Saki, uh, where we talk a little soccer and hockey news. Lundy, pretty quiet week in the hockey front, it seems like, right? Yeah, there's not a whole lot that's going on. I mean, a couple minor, you know, headlines that have come across 
you know, Crosby had wrist surgery. He'll miss the start of the season. Uh, the NWHL has rebranded to Premier Hockey Federation. Okay. Um, but other than that, it's basically, you know, still the quiet period for Kay. hockey. Can I ask you about Sidney Crosby for a minute? Yeah. He's as old as I am, so he's in his mid-30s now. He's not been as effective, I don't think, in recent years. Is that due to the concussions? I would imagine so. He has really had a large concussion problem um, over the, four, the, the, the length of his career, and I have discussed this with a number of people because it, it – you know, it's one of those things where concussions are a part of hockey, but it seems like he stands apart from the rest of the league with getting concussions regularly. And so I've asked some people why they thought that is. And one of the answers that a lot of people seem to concur with is that he doesn't have a team that has really any kind of enforcers on it. Right. People know that they can take those shots on him and nobody on his team is going to stand up and push back. Fair point. You know, so it's it's one of those situations where it's not like his team doesn't like him, but he hasn't been on a team that has those kinds of people that'll say, hey, that's our captain, that's our star. And if you hit him like that, I'm I'm going to put myself in the penalty box because I'm coming after you. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So he, he has, you know, a lot of those hits tend to get lessened if you do have people that'll come after you. And when the team doesn't seem to really push back or anything like that, then it opens the door up for teams to really punish him. Okay, I got it. All right, cool. Well, he's just one of those guys. I, I Sidney Crosby, Sid the Kid, has been so good for most of his career. I just, I, he's really seemed to just fallen off. I figured you'd know more than I would about in terms of where things have fallen off for him. It makes sense. All right, uh, on the soccer front, uh, Jeff was unhappy with me on a certain statement I made in our previous segment. Uh, when I was talking with Uriah Leia, tell I brought the fact that we only have one pro team in this market. Jeff, I apologize. Real Salt Lake is a major league franchise, and they are professional soccer. So we have two. And they have a championship. They do have a championship. Well, and technically, you know, the Bees are professional. They're just minor league. And same thing with the Grizzlies. And, you know, we can get really technical here if we yeah, want to. We could. But, but. All right. Uh, so on the soccer front, uh, just a couple of things. Real Salt Lake is headed to Los Angeles tomorrow to Bonk of California Stadium. It's supposed to be Bank of California, but they spell it with a C, so I'm just going to make fun of it. Uh, so Bank of California Stadium tomorrow night. Trying to avoid a season sweep at the hand of Bob Bradley's squad down there in Los Angeles. I am intrigued, and Jeff, maybe you can weigh in here for just for a second. What have you seen from RSL under Pablo Mastroeni that uh, gives you confidence, or are you just out on this team? It's kind of a tough question to answer just because the first game under Mastroeni, they got absolutely thumped they by did. Vancouver, who is who's not great. And then they beat Dallas 3-2 the week after that. Um, and looked so, good in the process. Yeah, and looked good, and looked good. So it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, I'm not expecting a lot out of the end of this season just with the coach. I mean, there's still time to make things happen, but with Freddie Juarez leaving – I guess so late into the season, it's it's tough to say like, oh, we can still make a push. Like, there's always a chance to make a push for the playoffs. Um, but I think maybe not taking a ton of stock in the end of this season and just giving Mastroeni a year um, because he did have some success with the Colorado Rapids, mm-hmm. um, and I do think he's a good coach. Obviously, there's the question of making it fit with the system and with the players. Um, and I think you have to get a full off season and a full season after that to really gauge uh, his abilities as how he fits with Real Salt Lake. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very very good uh, good point on your part. And 
We will see. It will be interesting. Uh, Pablo Mastroeni, we actually had him on with DJ and PK on Thursday. And actually a really good conversation because uh, similar to what you were saying there, Jeff, is he said he's coming in. Uh, he's trying to balance both uh, putting things on this team that he that he wants to see them do, like trying to change things, while also not upsetting the status quo because he is the interim manager. He's the interim head coach, and obviously you've got to make sure you take care of business. Well, they are headed to LAFC to face off against Bob Bradley's side tomorrow night, 8 o'clock uh, Mountain Time, so late Sunday night down there, but looking forward to that, and we'll see how RSL does because I really thought they looked absolutely phenomenal last week against Dallas, and it will kick off a three-match and seven-day span for RSL. All right, on to some other topics here. Let's get to our pick em here. And Eric um, sent us some picks. I'm actually going to add a couple of games to this, if you, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, I, I reviewed how we did last week, by the way. Okay. Uh, we had five games that we picked last week, all on the college football front. We had BYU-Arizona. We had Utah, Utah State-Washington State. LSU-UCLA. Sorry, I probably should have come for the open. And my Alabama, Miami, and Georgia, Clemson. And on the week, Lundy, three and two for two of us, and four and one for one, one of us. Any ideas on how things went? Um, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess you were the four and one, and Eric and I were three and two. I was the four and one. The game that got me to four and one was Georgia Clemson. I took the Bulldogs, and trust me, that 10-3 thrilling <laughs> battle between those two was. Uh, so I got to four and one because of that. Uh, Eric, crazily enough, he called that Utah State upset. If you recall, he did. I had a feel. I got a feeling about about the Aggies. So he did. Though, if I can pat myself on the back for a minute here, um, I feel proud for calling. Arizona against the spread, but BYU outright. Yeah, good job. Yeah, good job on that front. All right, so uh, picks this week. We'll start off uh, with Iowa State in Iowa. In-state battle. First time these two teams have been in the top ten when they have faced off against one another. Where are you guys going? You going Hawkeyes or Cyclones? I'm going Cyclones in a close one. Okay, you're going to take Iowa State. All right, Jeff? I'm also going with Iowa State. Remember, sabotage. Sabot- uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I would like to get back on the producing Saturday show. If I'm too mean, then I may not get this chance again. No, that's all right. I, uh, I'm actually going to go with the Cyclones as well, so I think he's got a clean sweep there on all three of us making that pick. Uh, up next, Washington at Michigan here. And let's recall, Washington somehow lost at home to Montana last week. Yeah. Uh, this one, to me, this is a no-brainer. Wolverines! <laughs> Wolverines, all right. Michigan, Jeff? You wonder if they're if Washington's going to be coming out for a little bit hot just with the result last week, but I'm also going to go with Michigan. All right. Uh, I went back and forth on this one thinking about it because I've got just this feeling that Washington's going to be all kinds of motivated, and they're obviously, they said they're trying to, quote, make amends for that loss last week. And watching Oregon here battle with Ohio State, I got something that tells me, give me the dogs. All right. I'm going to go with Washington in that one. All right, up next, Texas and Arkansas, an old Southwest Conference battle. Neither of them have been in the same conference for many, many years now, but I still think there is something to this game. Uh, Sark, obviously the new head coach of Texas, had a pretty good debut last week. Where are you guys going? You're taking the Hogs or you're taking the Longhorns? You know, this one's a tough one for me because 
I don't really have a lot of confidence in either team. And that maybe that's just traditional, you know, the brands associated with them. And, you know, every year the whole Texas is back and they're really not, um, you know, and Arkansas for years was the punching bag of the SEC. Mm-hmm. So I think that both teams will surprise me and actually look decent. I'm, I'm going to take chalk on this one and go Texas. All right, Jeff. Based purely on the fact that I toured Texas campus in high school as a potential college location, I'm going to go with Texas. I, I don't think it's that really all that close. Hook them for me. I, I'm going with Texas in this one. You almost went to Texas, huh? Well, I didn't end up applying, but I okay. did tour their campus. All right. All right. Um, and then Eric has us flipping over to the NFL. He has one game on his list. I'm actually going to add two more to it. Uh, we'll get to those in just a moment. We'll start off with his game here. Kansas City Chiefs. Cleveland Browns, a very interesting matchup. Uh, I think all things considered, where are you going, Lundy? Mahomes over Mayfield. Chiefs are all right, winning Chiefs. this one. Jeff? Chiefs. Like I said, sabotage. Pick, <laughs> give me something here. Like I said, there's there's the emotional aspect of sabotage and satisfying how that would feel. And okay. then there's the career aspect of I want to keep this position Fair business enough. decision business decision okay I, I can respect that all right um and i'm with you guys though i just kansas city i think they are really intent on proving that what happened in the super bowl was an aberration obviously that offensive line being rebuilt and come on mahomes magic dude he is lights out so give me the kansas city Chiefs. all right a couple other games here uh interesting game here because it is being played at a neutral site due to hurricane ida Green Bay Packers, New Orleans Saints. Oh, this is a this is an interesting one. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go uh, Aaron Rodgers and the, the Green Bay Packers. Okay. I'm gonna go Packers as well, and you're gonna be reminded of why Jameis Winston has not been a starter for a bit. Oh, okay. So you think it's to be. Right. So you think that there he's going to throw a bunch of interceptions and I think there'll be some interception issues, yes. Okay. I I, I kind of got the I got an opposite feeling of you. I think Jameis is hell bent on proving that he can get it done. Give me New Orleans even though they're displaced right now. There's a lot going against them in this game. I just feel like I, the Saints are going to win that game. All right. And then uh the Sunday night game here. I think this would be kind of a hallmark of this cuz usually it's one of the bigger games of the week. This week's game, how did the Chicago Bears get on Sunday night football? <laughs> Can anybody explain that to me? I get why Los Angeles Rams are, because SoFi Stadium, it's opening uh, officially with fans, but you use the Chicago Bears as the sacrificial lamb to open up that stadium? I don't know. Lundy, where are you going on this one? Uh, I, I've got to go with the Rams. I mean, okay. you know, them at home, I just the Bears are the Bears. Duh, Bears. Duh, right. Bears. Yeah, Rams are a strong contender for Super Bowl, and especially at home, it's hard to pick Bears over them. So, yeah, I'm going Rams. I'm interested to see how Matt Stafford looks. Obviously, he spent all those years in Detroit. He was actually kind of one of my secret fantasy weapons because he didn't win a lot of games, but he threw for a whole lot of yards, and that helped me out in my fantasy leagues for years. Now with actually you know a competent franchise around him that puts talent in there and whatnot, I'm actually quite excited to see what Matt Stafford does. Give me the Rams big in that one. All right, so there's our picks for the week. Oh, by the way, let's take a minute and talk about the NFL, the opener, Thursday night. What'd you make of the Buccaneers and the Cowboys going back and forth? Tom Brady's immortal. I mean, he's the goat. Like, you know, he's, you know, he's in his twenty-second year in the league, 
and still, you know, everybody knew it was like, oh, they left him too much time. Yeah, you leave a minute 24 on the clock, Everyone it's like, this knew. is over. Not a single person was surprised, right? Like, it was just, oh, yeah, there's that much time? All right, yeah, this is, like, you might as well have just knelt the ball out right there. Like, it was, it's game over. Yeah, I just, I felt like it was a game that was actually really well played by the Cowboys, all things considered, because I think the Cowboys went in with the right mentality. We know our defense is not going to hold Tampa Bay down. We got to go score points. Right, and and shout out to Kellen Moore. He yeah. called an incredible game. He did a really good job. Of course, the former Boise State uh, quarterback, uh, he's been, long been considered one of the brightest offensive minds out there. He did a really good job. Uh Dak Prescott, 42 of 58. He threw it 58 times in this game. Yeah, Coming off a shoulder injury, I was like, you sure you want to be throwing that much? But they needed every yeah. one of his attempts. Well, and I, I know that a lot of Cowboys fans were upset that Zeke didn't touch the ball sure. that much. But, I mean, you know, going up against that front and knowing how important Ezekiel Elliott is to that team, mm-hmm. are you really going to risk injury in the first game? Yeah. Right. It, it, and w- when you know that you can get it done – without rushing him that much, without him being a high usage back in that game, when you know you can hang, like I, I think that was actually the right call. Yeah, I, I thought it was a fun game, a great opening game. Obviously had uh, a lot of drama down the stretch there. And Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their title defense is well underway, 1-0 to start the year. All right, uh, so there you go, our picks for this week as well. Saki coming up next. Don't we have one more pick? Do we have one more pick? Oh, yeah, we do. It's kind of a big one tonight. Okay, we'll do that on the other side, actually. <laughs> we'll do that on the other side. I, I, I kind of glossed over it. I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that one last. We'll get to that one actually next as we wrap up today's show. Give it its own segment. This is the Saturday Show on the Zone Sports Network. The weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network, wrapping things up here. And it sure looks like Oregon is on their way to a huge road win in the horseshoe out there in Columbus. Up 35-28, to 28, they got the ball, just got a first down. They can bleed this clock. Yeah. Pretty Ohio close State to finishing it out. One timeout left. Yeah, this this pretty much is done. Just hold on to the ball. Yep. Plain and simple. You should be okay here. CJ Verdell just taking a handoff there. So looking like a huge win uh, for Oregon. So congratulations, I guess, preemptively to the Ducks there. All right. Uh, so it is time to make our final of the picks this week. And obviously it relates to the huge game in state tonight. Uh, just a reminder for you guys that the Cougar and Ute combined pre- and post-game show uh, will be taking place tonight. The pre-game show will be live from JCW's down there in Provo. So if you are, are lucky enough to be on your way to that game, stop by, get a burger, get some wings. By the way, the tri-tip sandwich down there, absolutely to die for. You ever been eating at JCW's, Lundy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've been to JCW's a number of times. Never tried the tri-tip, though. It's the, Well, all their food there is absolutely phenomenal. Let's be, let's be real about yeah. this, but... Uh, a lot of fun to be had there, and obviously you can stop by, say hi to the guys, and get some food before the game, and maybe save a little bit on stadium prices, you know. Uh, just an idea there. All right, so, Lundy, where do you think this game tips before we get, like, just like in terms of like, where the real advantage or disadvantage will be before we get your score prediction? 
You know, I think that both teams have things to clean up, things to work on. Both teams have strengths. Um, you know, the main concern for Utah is, for me, the offensive line. The main strength is and always will be the defense. Um, with BYU, I think they have a, a great strength in their offensive line and in their run game specifically. Um, my, my biggest question and I think the biggest weakness for BYU, as far as I'm concerned, is their depth. Um, I mean, you know, against Arizona, Keenan Ellis went down at corner, and I just don't know how much more depth they have there. Um, you know, if anything else happens to their secondary, I think they're in for a long night against Charlie Brewer and the Utes offense. Uh, I think that ultimately my, my final pick for tonight, I'm taking Utah 34 to 20. Okay, so 14-point game for you there. You're taking the Utes. All right, Jeff, your thoughts. All right, so first I'm going to share Eric's score predictions because he's not here. Uh, He has Utah 33, BYU 28. So also getting Five-point game, covering the spread for the Cougars in that that respect. Utah by five, as the old saying goes. Yep, there you go. For me, it is going to be a tight game. I think Alex brought up a lot of good points. Um, One other thing for the Utes is the drop passes from last week against Weber. Um, those could cost them, but um, BYU also had their own issues in their game against Arizona. So I'm going to go BYU 28, Utah 27. All right. So uh, so you said 28-27, Utah? 28-27, BYU. Oh, BYU. Okay, you're picking the Cougars in an upset. Ending the streak. I like it. All right. I've got a similar thought to both of you guys, but – I just feel like there is some sort of hex that Kyle Whittingham holds over BYU right now, and he's not going to relinquish it tonight. So, as I said earlier this week, give me the Utes 28, BYU 21. Seven-point game, I think, right on the head, right around where the spread is set. And we'll, of course, have it covered for you guys. Coming up on Monday, recapping it also tonight on the Cougar and Ute combined post-game show. So stay tuned for that. Wow, I had a coughing fit there for a second, so my apologies for that. But coming up next... It is the Movie Zone with Austin Horton and Johnny Lightfoot. Uh, For Jeff and for Alex, I'm Jake. This has been the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network.